I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Jen. I'm very excited to record. I feel like it's been, even though we recorded like a letters episode recently, it's been a while since we did like a a letters letters episode. That is true. (laughs) Is this the first time this year? Oh yeah, we haven't done a letters episode maybe in a two or three months. Maybe I'm not quite sure when our last one was, but before we dive into today's question, I'm going to do the thing that we all feel like really uncomfortable doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to tell you all that there is something that I have for sale right now, which is called Your Simple and Spacious Business. This is my flagship group program. If you listen to me talk then about like having a business that was just built to burn you out and didn't have your needs built into the business whether that looks like you're overbooked with clients or it looks like just you don't know how to move your business forward in a way that honors your humanness or you want to be supported to do business in a way that works best for you as a human being that is exactly what your simple and spacious business is here for it is my flagship lifetime group program so you pay once you either can pay in full or in a payment plan which is no extra cost to use the payment plan and then you get lifetime access to this incredible program. It will be there with you every step. So as long as I run this program, which I plan to for many more years to come, you will never pay another penny again to get access to everything inside. There are monthly coaching sessions. And that means that I basically create a monthly workshop every month for you to work through at your own pace. There's a library of 22 existing ones. There are twice monthly office hours where you can submit questions to be supported in your business. I host quarterly live planning calls. There is a vault of all of my courses and programs. There is a community it's a really calm gentle supportive community I record a private podcast every single week it's amazing if I say so myself I think the best way to tell you how awesome this program is though is if I read out a quick testimonial from someone inside are you cool with that Sarah if I read out a testimonial no actually I'd be very offended yeah <laughs> please, please do actually I really want to read it I really want to hear it okay this is Lynette and Lynette says I'm reading out Lynette's by the way this is not Lynette saying it herself this is what Lynette said. She said, I joined your Simple Spacious business as I craved inspiration and guidance on entrepreneurship and having a creative business with a gentle, grounded and authentic approach. Before I joined, I really felt as if I was at a crossroads of honing my business model to carry me into the next season of my business. I'm not a new entrepreneur anymore and I know now what direction I want to take my business, but I wasn't sure how to approach that in a way that aligned with my values and needs. I thought that your Simple Spacious business would be the perfect fit and I was right. The way this program is set up allows me to check in with content and guidance when it works best for me not only is this really supportive for my energy levels it's also massively inspiring for how I run my own business and offerings moreover the coaching sessions on vault are amazing resources when I first signed up I spent a good few weeks immersing myself completely into the world that is your simple and spacious business and I came out on the other side with a clear business model and vision a content ecosystem that works with and for me and a very grounded and compassionate approach to work and self-care now with the pace that your simple and spacious business is set up I get to nurture that vision on a weekly basis Most importantly, Jen's ongoing support and the direct access I have to her and the amazing members' ideas and visions through Slack and the office hours means that I feel supported 24-7. A wobble in my confidence or clarity is quickly released by the support I feel from the whole program. I feel so much more confident in my business decisions because I get to back them up with all the resources, inspiration, and support inside. When I first signed up, I was amazed at how many resources and how much support was part of this program and was affirmed as to how much of a no-brainer signing up was. We all deserve to feel fulfilled by the magic we have to share with the world and the businesses we create around that. Your Simple and Spacious business has shown me a way back to that fulfillment and magic and I'm sure it will do that for you too. So that is what Lynette says. And I I don't want to 
brag but i am gonna brag there's like 12 like there's a ton there's like maybe 15 other testimonials on the sales page just saying like that beautiful things like if i say so myself this program is incredible and the big thing this launches this is the last time to join us inside at this price to reflect all the resources that i put inside this program every year the price is going right so it has to grow in price every year i mean it's literally from the day it was launched to now it's had like almost two years worth of resources put inside it is so that above i do offer a sliding scale pricing structure so there is the full price but there are two tiers that you can choose from if you just would like to use a sliding scale pricing to make it more accessible for you i am going to reflect on the other side of this enrollment if it is sustainable for me to still offer sliding scale moving forward i hope that it will be but the price is going up it's an amazing program we are open for enrollment until friday the 9th i would love to welcome you inside you can find out all through the link in the show notes it's awesome go and read all the amazing testimonials shall we dive into today's episode sarah yes let's do it okay today's question is from caroline and caroline says i am a fundraising consultant supporting nonprofits to raise more money for their good causes like a lot of people i've moved my newsletter from a more traditional email software product over to substack and as far as i'm aware we are the first uk fundraising consultancy to be writing on substack which is niche af they say as a writer i also host a lot of my work on my website in a blog the intention was always for the blog to host seo friendly pillar content and for the newsletter to speak to more distinct current or personal topics i'm now unsure as to what my website is for should its focus be on paid offerings and directing people over to substack should i keep my blogs on my website how does seo even work on substack especially when you've paywalled your archives i guess my question is how does the content on your website and the content on your substack intersect my goals for my website are a to grow my substack audience and b as a place from which to share my professional offerings which is validation for new clients who tend to come through word of mouth thank you both caroline says well, listen, this is such a good question because it's so topical. It's something I'm talking a lot about with clients at the moment who are kind of just figuring this out. And I was writing about it for a post I'm going to be publishing soon on my Substack, actually. And I was sort of saying how, like, this is the problem with being a bit of a trailblazer, right? Like, choose the first one in her niche on Substack. And that's amazing. And that's a fantastic opportunity because you get to kind of corner the market. But the downside to that is you literally have to, like, beat out the path yourself you have to figure out and you're going to take some wrong turns sometimes and go through the underbrush unnecessarily until you find the right path so like we talk a lot about like being a trailblazer being a leader but it's hard work it's like really hard work and it it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of experimentation so nothing has gone wrong here is what I want to say like it's completely normal and logical to be at this juxtaposition of like I need a blog but I love my substack and which bits go where I'm really curious if my opinions, you're really not going to agree with me. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Controversy. <laughs> I worry. No, no. I am curious for people. I think Substack, depending on what you choose it to be, is potentially two different things for people. So for some people, Substack is a content channel. It is a newsletter or the author, as we use it as a podcast, like it's a, it exists as a content channel. And then for some people, Substack exists as an offering. So it's built to be a paid for thing in their business and it's built as an offering, especially for people who like Caroline says that if they are, they put all their archive content behind a paywall, it does it. Therefore it means that like at some point, every piece of content is not going to be free and accessible. And I think it's being all of Caroline's questions. I was like, I think the most important thing here is like, okay, what is Substack? Because also if Substack is a 
product for you if you if your goal is to attract people to your Substack and your goal is to grow your paid for subscribers on Substack I would also argue that you probably need potentially another like an actual email list outside of does that make sense because if Substack's the product it's not your email list and if Substack's like if it's is it your content is it your email list is it a product there's lots of different ways to use it and I think if we're looking at the whole ecosystem of your business ecosystem and your content channels, I think it's, I'm most curious for Caroline is like, what is the actual job of your Substack here? So that therefore that will then dictate how you want to use all your different subtitles. What do you think, Sarah? I, f- I heard you take a big deep breath. Oh, oh no, no, I completely agree. I was taking breaths because I was like, I've got things to say. I get excited. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I, I put this on notes to someone this week, actually, but I think there are so many facets of Substack that are really appealing and really exciting right now. For me, the one I see that is the biggest incentive to use Substack above all the others because it's so hard to find elsewhere and because it's so precious is the discoverability, the chance to be seen, the chance to have your work reach a new audience, the chance to then build that into a collation of emails, whether we're going to call that a list or not. So if that's your goal, I don't know many people who don't have that as at least one of their top goals, really. Like we're all always looking to speak to new people for our businesses, whether that's to sell them our Substack, to sell them our products, to sell them something else entirely. If that's your goal, it does inform a lot of the ways you will then use Substack. And I thought it was really interesting that Caroline said that one of the aims of her website was to send people to her Substack, because I suspect it'd be interesting to look at the numbers for that, Caroline. I suspect it's not doing an amazing job of that, purely because... Substack is going to blow it out of the water in terms of the ways it can send people to your page and the ways it can get your work seen. So yeah, that's like, you need to know what you want from your Substack. You need to know how it supports the rest of your business. And if that's not one of the big things, that discoverability, then that's absolutely fine. I'm not telling you it has to be, but I think knowing that for yourself and knowing where that comes on your list of priorities decides things like where the paywalls go, how much of your content is paywalled, how much of your time is spent growing the readership on your website versus your Substack. Like the roles they both play in your business are kind of defined by the importance of the results that they both create. Yeah. And I would even pull it back a step even more and be like, what's my business model? Like if this is your business, like what's your business vision and what's your business model? Like what's the the goal of your business? What are you building here? And what's your business model? What are you, I know you say you've got like your offerings for clients and your professional offerings. And so, and I imagine those are going to be the things that actually stabilize your income in your business. A paid for Substack, you know, most people are charging what, five, six pounds a month per person. You're going to need a lot of people (laughs) to pay you on Substack for that to be a substantial income stream. So I'm guessing, Caroline, that your paid for offerings over on your website are actually the things that stabilize your business. And so I would think about where does Substack fit? Is Substack existing to help you grow your audience? Is Substack existing to help you connect with more people? Is Substack existing to kind of help you fulfill bigger picture? Like I know you say you you support nonprofits to raise nonprofits nonprofits to raise more money for their good causes. Does Substack exist to support more of that bigger picture vision? Figuring out how Substack fits into the bigger vision and business model of your business because I think there is a risk of there's so much inspiration around Substack right now and so much energy that there's a risk to prioritize that first and foremost and instead of seeing how it fits into the wider 
ecosystem of the business because when you say how does the content on your website and the content on your Substack intersect they'll intersect quite naturally for me I have my Substack I have my newsletter I have my website I have my podcast I have this podcast with Sarah I know like my website is the most important thing because ultimately that's where people can find out more about my offerings and the things I have available for them but I would imagine people will spend more time on my Substack because that's where I'm updating more regular content and I spend a lot of time on my newsletter because that's where I'm sending out regular content but the website is still the beating heart of the business because that's how people know how to actually engage with my business and so I think Caroline I would be really curious for you just to know like exactly okay what what am I actually doing here with my business what am I what do I want to lead people back to and then how does the Substack support that and then that will inform what content belongs where what do you think Sarah? Yeah, I, well, I think it's interesting because, of course, there are no hard and fast rules anyway. Like we have seen people who have who run successful big businesses with literally just like an Instagram account and like a checkout page that's hosted mm-hmm. on their, you know, just not even their own website. And people make really successful businesses that way. And some of us do it the other way and have the website and the SEO and kind of optimize it that way. And it, so it's a lot to do with your product offering, the behind the scenes of your business that, you know, do you need funnels? Do you have lots of lead magnets? Do you have all of those things that need a home that can't really be on Substack? How complex is your business in the back end? How many different products do you have? How many different offerings? And you're so right when you say that, Jen, like this is one of the snags I see a lot of people getting into. If we accept that Substack is a really good tool for delivery and for discovery. And so let's say that Caroline just needs, I have no idea your prices, Caroline, but let's say that you can, you can, one client might spend 500 pounds with you from a free post that they read on your Substack versus if you paywall that post, you're going to need, help me with my maths here now, Jen, at £5 a month, you will need 100 people to make the same money from that post. So you kind of have to weigh up the odds and be like, which one of these is going to actually convert better for me? For some kind of audiences, for some kinds of content, people are not prepared to ever pay £500. So the £5 a month makes perfect sense. For some kinds of content, they need that one-to-one and the five pounds a month is never going to be enough or there's just not a big enough audience there yet of people who want it that's going to be a really hard sell to build up to those 100 people. So there's the opportunity cost, I suppose, is what I'm saying. When people pay all everything, if they if that content would actually help you sell your main product, which is at a higher rate, you might be doing yourself a disservice by locking that stuff away if it would show your expertise and convince someone that they needed to work with you I actually think what you said there is really both things are true right it's beautiful that Substack offers you the opportunity to be paid for content creation that's beautiful I mean I pay for maybe six or seven Substacks like I love it as a consumer like it's beautiful that Substack offers this and also (laughs) it is naive of is naive I don't think naive is the word it's a risk for us all to think like okay I'll just put paid on I'll just put paid on and then especially if you've got a business that benefits from content marketing for lack of a better word and that helps people connect with you and dive deeper into your work and basically are you kind of stealing from the profitable side of your business just to fund this it's so low ticket like I I don't maybe I'll eat my hat I don't think I would have any plans to ever put paid on my personal substack it doesn't make sense to me because 
my income is stabilized through higher ticket offers. I don't have a huge audience. I have like one-on-one containers. I have my group container and then I have some smaller digital products. Substack, what I love personally for Substack for me is it's a beautiful way for me just to write in a space where I don't feel like I have to sit in like my content marketing channels. Like I just write what I want to write on there. But Sarah's very right. I didn't even expect this when I started on Substack, but Substack brings a lot of people back to my newsletter because I just will share when I have, when something's relevant to my other work, to my other work, it brings people back. It's great for discoverability. It's great for connection. It's great for sharing. It wouldn't make sense for me to offer something for five pounds a month on there, unless I really wanted to create like a small thing every single month, because the hours that I'm spending in my business doing the work I get paid for, I'm getting paid a lot more than five pounds for that. Does that make sense? Like it just, it, it, it serves my business so much more by, it, it wasn't even made to serve my business. It was made to serve me as a creative human who just wanted the space to write, but it ends up serving my business just by being a place for people to connect with me and dive deeper into my work. And that's not to shame anyone for turning on paid. Like you turn on paid, you go for it. There's people who's, I literally pay paid for people just to get like their one month, like book round up a month, like all for paid. But I just think there is, um it doesn't have I think it's understanding what are you if you if you're turning on paid what are you building there what is your vision for your paid channel and how does it fit into the rest of your business ecosystem I think is a very important question because then that then tells you like Caroline I'm assuming here so I could be wrong that your professional offerings are the bread and butter of your business that your professional offerings are what sustains you financially in your business so therefore that would tell me that your website is at least needs to be robust enough to be selling your services and the blog this is oversimplifying it but here's what I'm doing with my blog versus my substack versus my newsletter if that would be helpful to hear this like my substack is like in the moment just like personal essays or like behind the scenes things that I want to share it's literally just it's not even built from like a marketing perspective it's just like I want to share these things I want to share these ideas or these thoughts my blog which I have neglected for years but my blog I always think of it as like if someone first discovers my work the blog is where they're going to go to, to dive in a little deeper. And so I actually hold people's hand when they get on my blog, not literally, but they get on my blog and I direct them first to like the foundational content to dive into first. And then I have my most recent content, which is basically once a month I create, cause I've got 10 years worth of blog posts on there now. Once a month, I create like a free mini workshop and put that on my blog and give that to my newsletter. So that's what's building up my most recent blog content. And then my newsletter, like my actual newsletter that I send out to my email list, not Substack, that's more like specific content, very tied into like what I do as a business guide. So does that make sense? Like how these, the blog exists for people who like, okay, I want to dive into like the foundational content of gens. And I, I, I haven't done much search engine optimization because it's just never been a focus of mine. But obviously some of those blog posts, the blog post that brings in the most traffic for me is from 2015, which I think is hilarious <laughs> because it's now, <laughs> but it's like the blog exists as this foundational core content and it's supporting the job of the website my Substack is where I can share things that I'm excited about or passionate about or things I want to write and it's delightful to connect with people there and ultimately it's creative expression for me at this point and then my newsletter is kind of for the people who've opted in to find out more about the work I do as a business guide it's like more specific content to support them through that role does that make any sense Sarah? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and like, and you're saying that's how it works for you, but you're not saying that's how it should no, work no, no. for anyone else. No, not all. Maybe it's useful if I kind of 
do my version of that as mm. well, which is to say, again, my blog isn't very neglected. I have not really revisited any of my blog content. It was mostly lifestyle and Instagram tips. And a lot of that Instagram advice has evolved. So it doesn't get a great deal of traffic anymore like it used to. That's my like website-based blog. So now my blog lives on Substack. And in fact, I am contemplating, I keep going back and forth on just making, if you click blog on my website, it may well just take you to Substack. That's mm. probably what I will do. And then if you sign up to my Substack, I have an automation that will also give you the option of being signed up to my marketing emails, which I do via Flowdesk, or you can unsubscribe from that part. With the aim then being that as a recipient of those emails, you know, you won't necessarily be be having a different experience, whether it comes by a Substack or Flowdesk. But on Substack, you will be getting that kind of blog content with a mixture of business advice and lifestyle advice. And if that's not for you, you can just stay on the other list and get kind of the product updates and the newsletters that I send out there. Um, so there's not really a right or wrong way. It's absolutely possible to just do it all via Substack. I know people who are doing that and doing it really well. If you don't have multiple offers and you don't need funnels, Substack can do a lot of those things for you if you're starting from scratch. But if you already have these things that are already working for you, that's when I think it doesn't make sense to kind of burn them all down and throw them to the side of the road in favour of Substack. Like it's worth kind of connecting them at least in a way that is automated and kind of you can be hands off, but that it keeps people kind of funneling in the right direction. I think the most important thing to say here is what Sarah said. It's like, there is literally no right or wrong way to do it. Like I said, for some people, just having a Substack will be the right thing. And for some people, never using Substack ever in their life will be the right thing. Substack is not like a requirement for being a human on the internet. And I think it all comes down to doing it with intention and understanding what your goals are, what your desires are, and what makes sense for your business. And ultimately, Caroline, it might just be asking yourself, what do I want to create for my blog? What do I want to create for my Substack? How are all these content channels supporting my, both my bigger vision for my business goals, but also my, I think for a lot of us, and I think, I think this is why Substack has become such a moment right now in so many people happily, like joyfully using it is because I think for so long, so many of us were creating content marketing. Do you know what I mean? Like so many of us, we were all creating content to be of service to other people and to sell our services and to grow our audience. And I think so many of us are just craving a space just to be creative again and just to play and connect and share. And I think Substack offers us that kind of like fresh slate playground in a sense of like I'm I think it's just it's a great space to kind of just play because it can be whatever you want it to be but again a blog can be that a newsletter can be that the good news is you get to make up the rules and there is no right or wrong and so Caroline I think the answers for you will be in what are your goals and what is your vision for your business and ultimately what feels good to you because sometimes sometimes I haven't done something even though it makes sense to do it because it would make me unhappy to do it like for example when we took a free year break from this podcast it would have made me unhappy to do it because I had no energy to give to this podcast even though it would have made sense to do it and over time like my blog I've neglected my blog for years I just like was sometimes putting like podcast episodes on it and only now I said to myself okay for 2024 I'm gonna do this free mini monthly workshop a month for my newsletter I'll put it on the blog so at the end of 2024, I'll have 12 mini workshops on my blog and that will make me feel good with the blog moving into this next chapter because that's 12 resources on the blog that someone can dive into when they first come to my website. I haven't been, do I've only just started doing that now. So, and I even, I'm even thinking about really switching up the format of my weekly newsletter, which I send out to my email list through Flowdesk because I've been doing the same thing for 10 years. And I shared this to say, 
you get to figure out what feels good to you, switch it up, change your mind, like do whatever feels good to you. But I think as long as we're making our decisions from a place of intention and clarity in our own business, that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't have to look like anyone else's. It just has to make sense to you. Does that make sense? Completely. In fact, one of my favorite things that I like to blow people's minds with when it comes to Substack and paid in particular is like the idea that you don't have to offer anything to charge. Mm. Like if you if you're interested in, in adding a paid option, but like in this situation, you don't have capacity necessarily to add lots more, or it might take a long time to build that membership to a place where it can you know buy its buy its worth in time from you to for you to then be able to invest in it. The old fashioned model of a proper patron to just say to people, hey, like I'm adding a paid tier. It's going to be five pound a month. I'm not going to promise you anything extra. I don't have capacity for that. If I have something that might surprise and delight you, I'll drop it in when I can. But mainly you're paying to just encourage me to keep writing here to support me in having the space to explore. Like people will pay for that. It feels shocking sometimes but people will very happily pay to support you and actually a lot of the time that is what they're paying for really more than the paywalled articles more than the co-working calls more than the the other thing they're paying to just be like yeah like I want to be a part of your community and I believe in you and this work is important so yeah there are no rules starting right there like you don't have to make it like the kind of offer that you're already seeing everywhere on Substack and I think that's really important to think about and what you also said Jen of so many of us were using our blogs or our newsletters for content marketing and Substack feels like a chance to get away from that. And so when we introduce paid, it does become a marketing exercise again to an extent. And also I think it's really interesting to think that like previously getting someone to sign up to your newsletter was the big ask, like Mm -hmm. having them on your newsletter. And so you rewarded them you kind of spoil them with the best free content and whatever they're going to want in their inbox. You, you know, your goal then is to make it worth their while. And then on Substack, we kind of have this different mentality of like, they're going to sign up and then I'm going to ask them to pay for that content that on an old fashioned newsletter I would have been giving away for free. And again, there's none of this is to say that's wrong. I think it's amazing. I think our writing and our creativity deserves to be paid for. But if you are planning on using Substack as that step in your business, if it's really about discovery, deepening the connection, people understanding you and your work and your world a little bit more, it might not be the most appropriate thing to ask people to pay to access that because, it, like as I said earlier, it might just trip you up. So it's kind of recognizing where Substack fits in your business and what what people are used to, what people's expectations are for that part of their customer journey, if that makes sense. Completely. The, the question I really wish I could ask Caroline, if you were sat out in front of us right now, is like you say my goals for my website are to grow my Substack audience and I want to know why. Like, Is that because your ultimate goal is to have like a thriving Substack and that be a big part of your income? Is it because you feel like the bigger your Substack gets, the more impact you can have with the ideas you want to share. Like, I think the, why is the goal to grow your Substack audience? Like that first goal, I think what the why behind that will have a lot of answers in it because ultimately it's like, okay, what's your vision for your Substack really? Like, is it, is the goal for Substack? Cause you said that you moved your traditional email software over to Substack. So, because for most people, their newsletter exists to support their business, right? And their business offerings. So if you've moved that over to Substack, is Substack's goal job to support your business offerings or is it something adjacent to that with like a another vision for growing your Substack? That's where I think some of the answers will come in for you here, Caroline. And again, 
I, you do not have to listen to me. <laughs> I'm not even saying you have to do this, but if your goal with Substack is to build something that exists unto itself, like it's not your newsletter, but it's like you want to build like the Substack platform unto itself and that's where you want to like build build a reach there. I would then argue that it's not your newsletter and and that potentially even separating like I have my newsletter and then cuz Substack Substack is ultimately I think it's a publication. It just happens to be delivered in the newsletter format. Does that make sense, Sarah? Yeah. I think, can it be both? Let me think about this. Can it be both? I think, I think you can. Yeah, I think you should through it carefully and, and you're in t- intentional about it. It can be both, including a paid option. Like you can have posts that are about nurturing those new signups and, and giving them what they want. And you can have posts that are about discoverability and, and reaching a wider audience. And you can have posts that are paywalled if you have that to nurture that separate community and to tempt other people over and you can have posts that are promotional of your products and bear in mind as well with Substack you don't have to post you can just email people and have it not appear as a post which I think a lot of people don't use that feature I didn't know that yeah you can okay that changes everything because my hesitation for people was like what about when you want to broadcast but not publish like what about when you want to tell someone i have this availability or i have this launch but you don't want to publish it on the feed oh my god i didn't know this okay so then the only reason i think you would need email software is if you wanted funnels for lack of a better like if you wanted to have like if you had like an opt-in that you wanted to be delivered and put into a sales sequence yeah 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 you probably wouldn't that's the only time I think you'd need a separate email software that's it Keely and I have been working on a podcast exactly on this topic for the Substack Soiree podcast do I need a blog and a Substack do I need an email list and a Substack and that's what we came down to for that one is do you need automations and do you have multiple products because if you have like say you have homewares and you have a book and you have some courses, like that can get quite clunky to try and kind of structure within a Substack. It's probably going to be easier to have a shop that you send people to where it's all laid out. And especially if you then need triggers when people buy and it kind of automatically does things. So yeah, that will be a deciding factor. And also the other thing is how much granular detail you need to be able to access in your list. We don't get a ton of data to play around within the back end of Substack about our email openers. So with something like MailChimp, you obviously can be really specific and target very specific groups based on their location or their behaviors with your past emails or what links they've clicked. And none of that really exists in Substack. There is an element you can like send things to your like best commenters and your most engaged readers and things like that, but you, you don't really have the same kind of data. So those are the big deciding factors with it. And then on the question of SEO, I mean, like Jen, SEO has never been a primary focus in my business. I accidentally got it right on my old website and I've accidentally lost that since I changed my website. And the thing I would think about with SEO and Substack, because it does work, you see Substack posts on Google, you have options in the back end of Substack to kind of add some of those SEO titles and things, but it's going to depend on where you put the paywall. Because of course, not every post that's paid has to be 100% paid. You can write the posts there in the options. You drop the paywall in wherever you want in the piece. So I would make sure that whatever's published above the fold, above the paywall is SEO relevant, has your SEO keywords in it, you know, is going to trigger people to click on it. And ideally, I guess you want to stop at a point where you've hooked them. Like you don't want to put it too soon. You want to give people just enough. So they're like, yeah, and, and, and then they hit the paywall. (laughs) I think the good news here is that there is no right or wrong way. 
there are no rules because there's no rules really in anything in business. Anyone who says there's rules is just not thinking creatively enough. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, the, the only rule is do good work and be a good person. That is my only rule for anyone. Like, I, I don't have time for anyone who's not interested in being a decent human being. <laughs> like, be a good human being, do your best work and honour your own humanness in the process too. Those are the only rules I will stand by. The rest is all made up. Marketing is all made up. Like, anyone who's like here's the best way to grow your business in 2024. They're just trying to tell you, sell you something. Honestly, like anyone who's trying to tell you that they've got all the Their magic formula. They do not. No one has, like I have been making up my way to a stable business for 10 years now. Like I'm making it up every step of the way. Sarah and I have worked with thousands of people between us. And I will tell you, it has never been the same formula for anyone because the formula doesn't exist. So Caroline, do whatever feels good to you. Like go boldly into the direction of what lights you up. My only big final encouragement is just make sure you're doing it with intention. If we do it, if we do, if we take action from a place of intention, all that really means is do we understand the bigger picture? Like, can we piece all the moving pieces of our business together in a mind map on the wall or in our minds that make sense to us? And do we know why we're doing what we're doing and why it's what we want to do? As long as you have that, you can't really go wrong. No one decision is going to make or break your business success. It's just you doing what feels really good to you. And if you're listening to this and you're like, actually, I want to put the paywall on because that makes me feel safe to have all this content out there. And, and I don't mind if it doesn't make me a lot of money. It feels really good to me to be paid for my writing. Go for that. That's beautiful. That is awesome. Like do whatever feels good to you. My biggest encouragement is just think intentionally about how it all works together within your business vision and your business ecosystem and just be intentional like whatever your goals and desires are support them more than anything else because that's the whole point we're building businesses to support us to do the work we want to do and live the lives we want to live so make decisions that support your vision and your desires and I don't think you'll go too far wrong from there yeah completely agree like just be really clear on what it is you want from everything you're doing and be really clear on the bits of your business that make you feel expanded and lit up and like it's all making sense to you because that's what you want to do more of. And Substack is is that for so many people because it feels like a playground. It feels like we have permission to do whatever we want there. But it's so easy to start following rule books, especially when we've seen rule books for so long and we've followed rule books for so long on other platforms. And then that's the thing about being a trailblazer, right, is you have to be willing to pick a direction and walk in it for a while and then figure out if it's if it works or not and there is compromise in being in the beginning of something I think it was um Mills one of the he's head of design at Substack had put a note out that said something like if you're not happy with the platform that changes all the time and adds things and then takes them away and has glitches then you've got no business being on Substack because we're developing in real time and that's the truth of it right like it's clunky it's clunky to get people from your website to your Substack back to your website. It's clunky to have two email lists that kind of someone might unsubscribe from differently. It's not a perfect seamless piece that you can just slot into your business, but it will become that in time. And in the meantime, it's thinking, okay, like that's the cost of this is going to be some admin and some head scratching and occasional frustration. So how do I make it as intuitive as possible for my readers and my customers? And how do I make it as smooth and stress-free as possible for me in the back end. I will post actually a link in the show notes to that automation I've been using to get people onto my list, my Flowdesk list or whatever mailing list software, because I know that's a snag for a lot of people, but Substack doesn't have an API, which means Substack, you can't use it with things like Zapier, that you can't automate directly from Substack to anything. 
So there's like some hacks and works around to try and get that happening, but it it does make it difficult. So that's the other thing to consider, I think. Just it, there's admin with it and be realistic about what you want to take on. Yeah. And also, it's going to sound really weird, but I feel like it's important to say <laughs> like if we've like if we've said anything today, because we have our own opinions and our own thoughts and we're passionate about what we think. And I think Sarah and I both sit in the camp of like, you do you, like your mileage may vary. Like, like we're here to help you figure out what you want to do, not tell you what you should do. But if we've said anything today that's made Carolina, anyone else listening feel like, oh, but that's not what I want to do. Or like, like when I said, I don't ever think I'm going to turn on paid. That does not mean that if you've turned on paid and you've got one paying subscriber that you're doing something wrong. Like just because it felt true for me, doesn't mean that your beautiful decision isn't beautiful for you. Like if we've said anything and you, if we've said anything today and it's brought a feeling of shame or confusion up in you, or you're thinking, well, I want to do something different than them, but they've said this. So I should do that. Do not listen to that voice. The truest voice is your instincts and your ideas. There is nothing you could tell me and Sarah that you want to do that we would tell you 100% you shouldn't do because we don't know what's best for your business. We have experience. It's our job to ask you questions and to sit with you and to support you towards your goals. So, because I'm aware today that we've both kind of, I'm probably more me like shared opinions and like things that we would or wouldn't do, but your mileage may vary. So trust your instincts, take anything here that feels supportive from you. But if, if you're, if you're questioning anything that you want, just because we've said something different, don't do that. Don't let this be a podcast episode that disconnects you from your own instincts. Take what serves you, leave the rest because no one knows. I've learned this so many times, like no one knows what your business needs to thrive more than you do. You might not feel like you know all your own answers yet, but the minute anyone else comes in and you take someone else's answers to be true for you, you're lost. You've lost your own instincts there. So take what serves you, but you're the one new person who can answer the question of what does my business need to thrive and reach my goals and just welcome in the support that feels supportive for you. But there's no right or wrong. Yeah, no I'm really glad you said Trust that because it's, it's definitely a risk when we get opinionated. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you do you, boo. That's, that is the ultimate rule always. And also, none of us can ever know the right answer in advance. Like, mm-hmm. you make a best guess and you try it out and you decide whether it works or not. And anytime you find yourself trying to know the perfect way before you start, you know you're never going to take action. So you have to just pick one and go, well, don't know, maybe, and try it learn from it and then you can keep trying and if you would like some help with that trying and some logic in forming those kind of decisions of what to do I have actually added recently a Substack coaching package where you get some time with me to figure this out and you also get some of my time to kind of go in the back end of your Substack and tweak things and help you set it up if you need that so maybe we could link that in the show notes as well of course send me a link when I'm putting the show notes together that sounds awesome Sarah amazing what you're offering there and yeah just we hope this helps Caroline and anyone else listening submissions are open so if you like I said Sarah and I are hoping to in a very chill way record more episodes this year someone joined our paid tier the other day Sarah by the way it was Esme hi Esme if you're listening and she commented and said like oh I love hearing your friendship and I was like oh my god Sarah and I have been friends for 10 years like 10 years of our life we have been friends isn't that crazy that is crazy especially because you're only 21 so (laughs) (laughs) still in my head you are anyway so do you not feel like do you not feel like we're closer in age now than we were 10 years ago? Does that make any sense? No, that makes no sense. That's not how maths works, Jen. I'm bad no, at maths. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is like a 20-year-old, because we met when I would have been like 23. And so you would have been like 30 something, like 31. Yeah. 
So now, but to me, a 23-year-old and a 31-year-old are in like totally different planets. Whereas I'm 31 and like you're like late 30s. Like I feel like we're in like a similar stage of life. <laughs> Does that make That's sense? That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Maybe it's just because I have way. Um, but yeah, no, that that's true. We are in the same life bracket because yeah, I had a baby and a house, and and I didn't even think I wanted kids when we first met. I was like, probably. I mean, I did not think I wanted kids until I really, really, really wanted kids. Uh, I was planning on a child-free life, and then my ovaries kicked in. But what was I going to say? <laughs> I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for this space together. I'm grateful for all you listeners. And yeah, and so I will put the link to Sarah's awesome Substack package in the show notes. And also, like I said, your Simple Spacious Business open for enrollment until Friday the 9th. It's amazing if I say to myself, if you want to feel supported to bring more ease, joy and intentional growth into your business and never do business alone again, I would be honoured to welcome you inside. We will be recording new episodes at a gentle and sustainable pace. So do submit your questions if you have a letter you would love to dive into. And if you're like, wow, listening to Jen and Sarah is like the most delightful, joyful thing of my day. If you want more, we do have a paid tier, just five pounds a month. Come be friends with us. Yeah. We do a private podcast every single month, but we basically share the private business bestie chat that we, we go, we go pretty deep. I will say that I am surprised at how vulnerable we've been in the private podcast. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't feel bad. No, it feels safe. It really, and it really does feel safe to, to just, but yeah, we, if you want like really honest business conversations, come on over and join our paid tier. But yeah, whatever happens, these episodes will be here and they'll be free forever. So you hope they can support you and thanks for listening yes thank you for listening and thank you for recording with me jen i have to say like i know some people who are in your program and honestly everyone just raves about it kind of a bit jealous of it i'm really honest (laughs) so (laughs) i will say for anyone listening there's something special about creating like your legacy like i don't know if it's my legacy piece of work but like you must know this sarah when you've done the industry and substack soiree and 50 minute magic like creating a program where you just really know it's really fucking good and like like you're like this is this is my best damn work and this is amazing like it's one of the most joyful parts of being a business owner when you create something and you're like yeah this is good and also like it's so uniquely me like only I could have created it because it's so built from like my experience and my perspective so yeah, if you I couldn't have like written that, it like 10 years ago it would no be. it had to be born out of all the experience so yeah and I know that's true for you because I've seen it and the beautiful work you do in the world and also just to say if anyone's like at the earliest st- stages of your business you'll get there you gotta be in the arena to like get to your very best work and that time will come and it's all still possible you're not too late you're exactly where you're meant to be yeah okay well look out for our next episode soon thank you for listening and we're gonna go chill the hell out now and i'm gonna go have a bath it's time to get horizontal (laughs) on my own okay (laughs) have an awesome week everyone we'll see you soon you can join us at letters from a hopeful creative.com and on social media so on instagram i'm at me and orla and you'll find me at jen carrington underscore we are going to be sharing new episodes so if you've liked what you've heard so far hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show yeah and we can't wait to connect with you soon